Fucking Matt Damon is nice. Solo. Matt yeah. Damon's a nice guy. Yeah, he bought a zoo. Yeah, he did buy a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Get Lost Podcast. Tonight, we're going to have uh, Stuart Meredith, a longtime friend, longtime list maker. And uh, tonight, I guess we're talking the best movie speeches. Or the best movie monologue speeches, but I never really understood what that qualified as. Well, I think, well, shit. So, just, just explain <laughs> what that means, because... I know good scenes in movies, but then you also told me like a few good men would qualify, but that's just a back and forth. Or is it just one person talking? Well, not necessarily. I mean, we're also talking like, I meant speeches, like in general. Like, a few good men ends with a, a rather long speech dedicated by, uh, who, who's that? Jack Nicholson Jack and Tom Dude, Cruise. I blank every time. <laughs> I blank every time on this day. Okay, but do you have to pick Jack or Tom? That's the ultimate no, no, no. question. I'm, or is saying, it the whole thing? I'm saying back you, could, and forth? you could do back and forth if you wanted to. I'm saying you could do dialogue, speech. I'm saying whatever. Like, I mean, and then I brought up that one that we talked about uh, with Al Pacino. I think it was in that movie, Injustice for All. You, I thought you meant Son of a Woman. Huh. I mean, we, we could. You okay. Know, if you like a speech in there, pull it. I just I've never seen like, Injustice for All. You're the one that showed me the speech. The, Injustice the, for yeah, All? Yeah, we. It, I don't think either of us ever watched the movie, but it's the one at the very end where he gives that like uh, really big speech on the judge that uh, like sexually harassed or assaulted a woman. Oh, yeah. okay. Good lord. For a minute there, I thought you were talking about any given Sunday, and I was going, he was a football coach. No, 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 no. I meant the, I said, I you meant, sure that ain't I the one? The, yeah, I meant the courtroom speech, which I thought was always really good. I showed you that five years ago. I even forgot about it. <laughs> but yeah. turns out, great speech. Yep, and I never got around to watching the movie, but it was I, a great I, speech. I, neither did I, man. Also, but you're going to fall into the whole trope of... <laughs> How many courtroom movies are we going to have on this list? Like all of them. <laughs> so if you included like TV shows, you'd have every speech by uh, what's his name on uh, Boston Legal. Yeah, so, Denny Crane. Denny Crane and um, oh, blanking on his name again. Dude, I'm awful at this shit. Yeah, but uh, I can't even think of his character's name. So let's move on. It's Alan, right? Oh yeah, Alan. Yeah, he did always call him Alan. Yeah, but, so I can't remember uh, his damn name, but I can't remember. Uh, yeah, Stargate. Um, mm-hmm. And in every teen movie ever in the eighties. Yeah. Um, oh well. <laughs> no, and uh, I also going to throw a shout out to my cousin Vinny. Okay. It didn't make my top ten lists. I wanted it to. I love that movie. Okay. Um, but believe it or not. He doesn't really go on. It's more just funny stuff that Joe Pesci, Joe, uh, Joe Pesci says. Yeah. Well, you're a big fan of Alyssa Milano, if I'm not mistaken, too, right? Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei. Shit. <laughs> Dude, I'm awful. I'm awful at this. Especially yeah. In yeah, don't get my girl wrong. <laughs> mm. But, yeah. You're going to shoot a deer? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, did you actually put together a list? I did. You I'm did. looking All at right. it. So, we're going to roll with your list, then. Because I didn't put one together. So you're going to go my top 10 movie yeah. speeches. We're going to find out what Stuart likes and we're going to talk about him. This is trickery. <laughs> I know. I thought this was going to be back and no, forth. dude. I want, to, I want to hear from you. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Um, so I did 10 and I think I have 17 total, but a bunch of them I just left out. Okay. Um, well, I can guarantee you, like, by the time we get to this, 
there'll still be room for more if we wanted to. You probably have five and we'll still have time for it. Okay. Well, okay. So you just want me to start off with 10. I mean, all right. Just start with one. Or, yeah, 10. Start, yeah, don't start, start at the top. Start, you got to build no, up. No, 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 you know what I meant. Start, okay. Yeah, start then. We'll work our way to the top. All right. Number 10. Right. No Country for Old Men. Okay. Which one am I going with? I don't know. Which speech? No. You have to guess. Wait. I have to guess the speech? If you didn't make a list, we got to talk about something. So you guess. No Country for Old Men. I Which, don't know. I do, I've seen that movie once. What you got? Oh, end of the movie. Okay. Uh, when Tommy Lee Jones is sitting there talking to his wife. Okay. He had already retired from being the sheriff of the small, I think it was Odessa, Texas. Right. He had already retired. This is that, we're, we're talking like very end of the movie. The very right? end after of the movie. all of the shit has gone down. After he right. stops okay. talking, the I'm credits really, roll. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Everybody likes the quarter scene at the yeah. clerk's office. Which is good. It's a good, that's a good speech. Or a good little. That's what it is. Yeah. It's a good speech. Not a bad it's, performance it's, by Tommy Lee Jones. It's an attack by words is what it is. Yes. <laughs> It's a good, it's yeah. a great, it's a great speech because it's there on the page. Right. Tommy Lee Jones does a fine job, but one thing I loved about that was you're sitting here trying to figure out the movie, and it kind of explains the title. Okay. So he goes on, and he's just kind of he's calm during the whole movie. He's one of these cops that's just calm. Sheriff's been doing it for years. Doesn't get right. too high. Doesn't get too low. Right. And, but he ran across a guy that he just couldn't quite explain. Yeah. He just couldn't figure him out. He could, he kept trying to find his motivation, and he couldn't right. quite do it. Yeah. And um, he's retired. He's sitting there talking to his wife, doesn't know what to do. Okay. And he tells a story of his father when, um, and not even a real story, a dream he had okay. of his father. Right. And he essentially describes they're going up a trail trying to get to a certain location, and his father uh, got tired, and... Um, he was going to go catch up. Okay. So Tommy Lee Jones goes ahead and sets up camp and his father meets him and his father goes ahead of him. And, um, he says, I'll see you when I get there. But what ends up happening is his father dies and he kind of passes him. And he kind of realizes when he's speaking about that, that his dad died young. Okay. So, and he says at one point, in a sense, I'm the older man. So he's sitting there looking back. Cause you always think of your dad, I think is like this, know-all, be-all, end-all. Right. That's usually true, but I think he kind of said, well, I'll outlive my father, so therefore am I wiser or not. And uh, his wife goes, what do you think it means? He goes, I don't know. I just woke up. And I think it was just sort of his way to explain that uh, that he got to a point where he didn't have any motivation, a la no country for old men. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I just always kind of liked the way they wrapped it up. And another problem with explaining monologues is I'm going to butcher it since we, you know, can't actually play clips. That's fine. We'll That's get fine. sued by everybody. Um, but just always had an impact on me. Yeah. Well, I remember that one and I do have to agree with you. That was a good one. A fantastic movie as well. Well, you want to go on to number nine? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we could. Or yeah. you want to dawn on that a little more? Cause that's yeah. really all I got from that movie. That, really? Well, no, that movie's fantastic, yeah, but the say, best, really the, movie, the best parts yeah. about that movie, no words are being said when he checks into the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's well, great. yeah. And I mean, I mean, I was just going to say that, like, I'm always a sucker for those end of the movie, uh, film or speeches as well. I mean, obviously I'm sure. Do you have, um, there will be blood on here? No. Okay. Well, and, and, and here's why I've seen that movie once. Yeah. 
that's not really a movie I put on when I'm in a good mood. Right, yeah. Well, right. definitely, yeah. Um, but all I was going to say is at the end of that one, they also have like a major sum up kind of speech. Uh, very end of it is um, Daniel Day-Lewis in the bowling alley and like the guy comes down. Oh, I after, remember that. Yeah, the milkshake his, speech. Yeah, after he's beaten yeah. the guy to death and stuff. And uh, I, I'm always, I'm a sucker for those types of speeches just because not only do they sum up kind of the whole movie, but they also give you that like one final like gut punch from the one like, it's usually one character, not necessarily like the good guy or the bad guy, but usually there's an end there that, that really just, when you walk out of the theater, you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. the weird I, thing I is, I saw that movie once. For three hours. Yeah. yeah. I saw that movie once in 2007, <laughs> and I remember the milkshake speech yeah. at the bowling alley when, yeah. uh, was it, uh, it's a guy's name, he was uh, played Brian Wilson. Um, yeah. I can't remember. It's it's uh, Daniel Day Lewis and is it? It's I think it's this. Paul something. Yeah, Paul Blano or Dano. Dano, Paul yeah. Dano. That's who it was. Yeah. So yeah, so that, I mean that's how good that was. I saw that thing once. Yeah. A decade ago now, and I still remember. I actually remember who I was with when I saw it too. We saw the the There Will Be Blood one. Oh yeah, okay. I was with yeah. uh, Mike and Blunt, yeah. and I want to say Greg too, and we saw it at the old uh, West Hampton, which is. Yeah. Sadly, since been demolished because it was a great theater. Yeah. But all right, we can roll on. All right, Let's number nine. Number nine is Vickers. Goodwill Hunting. Oh, okay. All You're right. going to be quoting Gordon Wood and Vickers. Okay. So you remember the bar scene? Roll with me. Dude, you remember these speeches way better. I remember the scene, but you remember the words better than I Okay. Remember. So roll with it. All right, so everybody knows Goodwill Hunting. You got yeah. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck, and there's some dickhead that's in a bar trying to hit on a mini driver. Yeah, that guy's supposed to be the the quintessential like daddy's money. Oh yeah, upper class. Like he, he like he was wearing the, the my dad's a lawyer uniform. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know he had his khaki pants and his stupid haircut. Right. Um, but no, he's a uh, Ben Affleck is sort of blue collar guy, construction worker, you know, right. that mm-hmm. whole, I guess, classic movie trope of Charleston, Boston, you know, mm-hmm. and, but he's blue collar guy and he's on a bar on the Harvard campus or somewhat near it. And he's hitting on this girl and many drivers kind of talking to him. And this guy shows up who's very smart because he okay. goes to Harvard right. and he sort of starts uh, using that against Ben Affleck to make him look stupid in front of this girl. Yeah. Will Hunting course as as i think as he put that in that scene my friend's wicked smart yeah <laughs> so anyway uh matt damon goes on this whole cavalcade where he just breaks this guy down piece by you know, piece. yeah starts talking about yeah because you read that in this book and next month you're gonna move on to this and you're gonna come in here and you're gonna start quoting gordon wood and and he starts breaking down this guy and he the guy's sitting there and he's slowly going into a ball yeah. He's slowly cowering because Matt Damon's so smart. And then um, at the end, he kind of falls back on the whole, well, you're going to be, what does he say, taking out the trash for my kids one day? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Some of those lines of, yeah. The, yeah, where he says, my my son, my son's yeah. going to be your boss one, one day. day. Yeah. You know. Because you're, ne- yeah, you're never going to get past where you've gotten now, which is. Breaking down old yeah. building. And he goes, that's fine. At least I won't be unoriginal. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
that whole classic, I can regurgitate information all day, but do you actually have any thoughts of your own on the subject? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, it ends with, <laughs> and he catches him at that diner. Yeah. He puts a number and he goes, you like apples? Yeah. I got her number. <laughs> How about them apples? How do you like them apples? <laughs> yeah. Which is, uh, I, I really respect that movie, too, because I was actually, if I'm not mistaken, written by uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yep. And yep. then produced by, of course, Epic Wordsmith, Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. And, uh, who directed that? Oh, Gus Van Zandt. Gus Van Zandt, yep. Yep. Yep, Gus Van Zandt. And everybody always talks about Gus Van Zandt as a great director, and I'm not knocking him, but I can't think of a single movie. Past that one? Yeah, and I, I think... his name used a lot. I think it kind of yeah. falls back on the whole trope of, oh, he directed Good Will Hunting, therefore... Well, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's done other good movies. I just, I can't think of any and I've like I've said I've seen his name tons of times but you know yeah. I can't think of any movies offhand no idea but he always falls back and of course he did do uh, Good Will Hunting 2 Hunting Season yeah. and, and the wonderful uh, Jay Song Bob Strike Back of course <laughs> yeah Mm-mm-mm. but it was that was, a, that was a very good one though that was just a great movie overall though and a lot of great moments and a lot of great speeches, to be honest. Well, not speeches, but more like just poignant moments. Yes. Like when Ben Affleck pretty much tells him, like, I better not see you, like, out here again. And the movie obviously doesn't see him. Well, no, I could, I, could, I could actually fill it up a list with Goodwill hunting scenes. Yeah. You got the park bench one, the not your fault, the... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you can go down. I mean, I think that's obviously... I, I mean, you probably agree. Robin Williams, he's never done anything better. Yeah. I mean, well, I think some people might argue that like stuff like Dead Poet Society or, uh, but this 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 was almost Vietnam like or, I'm just yeah, I'm just messing uh, because he's done so many good movies. I but, know, but th- this yes, is, I highly agree. It was yeah. it was definitely one of his best, and definitely definitely one of those movies too where like uh, leads me to think when people talk about Ben Affleck in a shitty way, and they're like, oh, he's a shitty actor, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, obviously you guys aren't following the fact this guy like. Helped write and direct Goodwill Hunting. Has moved on to do like massive directorial stuff, you know, in terms of like Argo, the town, that kind of stuff. Like, didn't like you, Argo. You didn't like Argo? Still don't. It's still a good movie. Oh, though. the town. Nah, the that's town 100% is the other way in direct. I mean, yeah. 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 But that, that's what I'm saying is like, it's, it's just so funny that people still shit on him for like Daredevil and Giggly or Geely. But, um, yeah, yeah everybody like, keeps bringing writes, that. And you know what? I never saw the movie. Stuff, yeah. I never saw Geely, so I can't tell you yeah. that he's a bad actor because I've never seen Did it. Did not either. So. No. But that's good. That's why I avoided it, to be honest. But yeah, I think I think he's a wonderful writer, wonderful director. I think Matt Damon is the same way. Like, Matt Damon usually does well, really no, good stuff. Matt Damon is hit or miss with me, dude. Really? Like, I, I, hate, the, I hate the Martian Matt Damon. Like, I don't like that. You, or, don't like, you didn't like the Martian? And you know, he bought a zoo, too. And stuff see, like I didn't see that, but the Mar- dude, the Martian was fantastic. No, the movie was great. Yeah. I just didn't like Matt Damon in it. I'm just really? there. Yeah, then he was fantastic. All right, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't. But now, if you want to talk right. the Departed or the Bourne series or anything like that, yeah, I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you. You don't think there were some misses in the Bourne movies, dude? We bought a zoo. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Martian. He the bought Martian a zoo. Right. He bought a zoo. 
right. He is can be he can be hit or miss. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are hit or miss though. But okay, we'll yeah. settle on one movie that that reduces the man. Okay, I know we're going to get off topic a little bit. Uh, but he also did the Adjustment Bureau, and everyone knows that, that was pretty yeah. much crap as well. Yeah. Well, I, what are your three Damon performances? What about three Damon performances? Yeah. Well, we talked about right. one. So first of all, I have to go with Dogma. I love Dogma. Okay. Dogma was absolutely wonderful. And even though they're only in there for like a shorter amount of time versus everybody else in the movie, Ian Ben Affleck were great. Matt Damon was really good, especially at the end when he gets fucked over by Ben Affleck's angel. Um, <laughs> but I really did. I liked Matt Damon in that one. Um, so I have to. I would go with The Martian. Because I honestly love the Martian, and I liked Matt. Well, I mean, it is him on screen by himself, or and he held that fucking movie, Stuart, the entire way through. Well, because he was the only one in it. Okay, all right. (laughs) And then uh, for my third Matt Damon flick, which which one will I go with? See, I don't don't want to pick any like uh, just cameos though, because like I I thought he was amazing in Interstellar. Oh no, you can win if you show up for ten minutes. You can yeah. win a movie. Yeah, you can't win the movie that I'm thinking about, which is Interstellar. Interstellar was like Matthew McConaughey's fucking... Oh, yeah. Hail no, he didn't that win that movie, great. but yeah. trust but me. The, but that fucking cameo in there was absolutely fucking amazing. Like, it helped solidify that fucking movie. When he fucking, like, uh, bashes the fucking helmet in, like, throws it on the ground, and just, like, he's standing there, like, watching him die, and he's just like, I can't do this. Like, I can't. Yeah, I didn't see just, that like, coming. Turns, Matt Damon is nice. Matt yeah. Damon's a nice guy. Yeah, he bought a zoo. Yeah, he did buy a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> but did you even, did you see We Bought a Zoo? I don't even know what I about. I saw bits and pieces yeah. on TBS or TNT when they were playing it, but it's not like I missed anything because it was PG or something. Okay. And yeah, they bought a zoo. And <laughs> I'm going... That's the whitest thing I've ever heard today. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. They bought a zoo. <sighs> Matt Damon. That's my favorite performance. Favorite Team America. Team America. <laughs> it was quite good. He looked fantastic in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. What's, what's your, uh, what were we on, like nine? No, eight. eight. We're on eight. I'm eight. sorry. So, oh, yeah. By the way, uh, I guess spoilers. I mean, a lot of a lot of my movies are old. Some are semi new, so I'm gonna go with spoilers. All right, if they're semi new, then we will we'll drop the spoilers. I'll put spoilers on this thing as well. Yeah, but my number eight's not that case. Uh, speaking of McConaughey, he is okay. the star of this one. And seeing as how you didn't make a list, I didn't. Um, <laughs> That's because I like listening to your list, man. Talk to me about. Well, it. you know what? If I could have put something from True Detective on here, if we were doing TV shows, I would have. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> That but, was a good one. Yeah, and it was just movies. So, uh, A Time to Kill. Okay. A Time to Kill. All right. I'll, dude, I'll go with you on that one. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. You know what scene I'm talking about, yeah. don't you? All right. I, I've named it because, you know, it's not like an album where the, every song is named. So, I'm going to name this speech, She's White. Okay. All right, yeah. That, that now, quick backstory to this scene, if anybody's ever never seen it. Um, essentially, um, a couple, uh, well, it takes place in Mississippi or Louisiana. I think it's it's either Mississippi or Louisiana. What's that fucking, um, hold on. It's totally a fence. Yeah, that's the best part. But either way, it takes place in the South, the stupid South. And, um, Matthew McConaughey's a lawyer, kind of a young lawyer, but, um, 
pretty much he's a protege, hasn't reached his full potential. And um, he eventually uh, ends up defending a guy uh, played by Sam Jackson, um, who they kind of fight the whole trope of a black man in the South can't get a fair trial. So what essentially ended up happening is... uh, Yeah, it takes place, by the way, real quick, uh, just in the fictional town of Clanton, Mississippi. Ooh, Mississippi, got it. Um, yeah, it's based on a novel, but I also not believe. The school. I want to say John Grisham, but I may be way yeah, off on John it. Grisham oh, if, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so he's ended up defending Sam Jackson. Um, part of the reason, um, sort of the trope of it, is that uh, a black man can't get a fair trial in the South. And what ends up happening is a couple of rednecks ended up raping and killing his daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, Sam Jackson knows that these guys aren't going to get justice like they deserve for killing his daughter. Um, I guess because of the racial overtones of um, Mississippi. And so he hides out in the courthouse one night and one of the court security deputies um, that are taking these two uh, white guys in to be stand trial. Um, while he's taking them into the courtroom, Sam Jackson has been hiding in the courtroom for several hours with mm-hmm. a, uh, a rifle Mm. and he jumps out the door and starts shooting these guys and shoots them dead. Um, but also at the same time ends up shooting the deputy, um, in the leg. So now of course he's put on trial for murder times too. And Matthew McConaughey pretty much has to defend a guy who is guilty. Yeah. Um, and that's part of it because he's guilty as sin. Yeah. I mean, he killed two people. Now, despite yeah. the fact they killed his daughter, right. that's you know that's yeah, a whole moral question. Looks, but yeah. under the eyes of the right, law, yeah. he's guilty of sin. Right, right. And so, of course, he's got a pretty much a predominantly white jury mm. in Mississippi. Mm. So, pretty much, that's the whole hail mary. This is what I call the hail mary speech of courtroom speeches. Yeah. Um, as far as getting him off, because even when you watch the movie, you go, "Oh, there's no way." I mean, you're gonna have to come up with some movie magic. Yeah. to get this guy out of this situation. Yeah. And so Matthew McConaughey does his closing arguments. And he, in graphic detail, describes what happened to Sam Jackson's daughter. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does stuff like, you know, they tied her up with booze on their breath. Yeah. You know, he, they, you know, not to get too graphic for you folks, but, you know, talks about urinating on her, talking about her bones breaking, her clothes sattering, tying her up to a tree, right. the rope breaks, dragging her down the road. And he gets very detailed. Right. So when he does it, he's, he gets like almost like an author would write it. Mm. I mean, he puts you there, even though you're watching a movie, so you have the visual backup, but he puts mm. you there, he describes every T. And, uh, oh, and I forgot, he tells everybody to close their eyes before so he does it. it. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So everybody in the courtroom, predominantly white jury, everybody in this courtroom, has closed their eyes and they're hearing it. Mm-hmm. But they're thinking of Sam Jackson, black man and his daughter. Um, and they are th- just thinking about his daughter specifically. Right. And right at the end, he goes, now I want you to imagine she's white. And without saying anything, everybody opens their eyes. Yeah. Everybody opens their eyes, and even when I first watched it, and I don't know what that says about me or anybody, but when I first watched it, I went, oh, shit. Yeah. That got me. Yeah. That really did. Yeah. And then I went, man, does that change the way I look at it? Well, I th- I And you know yeah. what? It kind of did. Yeah. It kind of did. I mean, it shouldn't, 
But, yeah. I mean, that's why I think that scene was just so good. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's the importance of, like, where it came from. Like, you know, the author, like we were talking about, the book was written by, I believe, John Grisham. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, he's very good at taking courtroom stuff and, and hitting you hard with it. Like, I think it was, uh, what was the other movie? Um, Runaway Jury. Is, oh, yeah. Is another one where, you know, you have... I think it was like the gun lobbyists versus the people that were affected by it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was a uh, yeah, gun lobbyist. Uh, I think, yeah, Dustin Hoffman yeah. and um, Gene Hackman. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, um, John Cusack playing the middleman between everything and uh, Rachel Weiss. Yes. Along with him, yeah. But no, when he when he drops a she's white thing, yeah. I just went, whoa. Because like, I'm sitting there thinking, no, it doesn't really make change the way I think about it. But you're so invested on just thinking about this girl, yeah. and you and the movie does really good got a good job of playing up the racism, mm-hmm. like that thick, polite Southern racism, right? Yeah. And it just hits you, yeah, just hits you. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, oh, that's the only way he can win this case. Yeah, that is genius. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, so yeah, that's a, it's a it was a good speech. Oh heck yeah! yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. John Grisham. All right, let me see. Number seven. Mm. Now, this is a movie me and you disagree on. Ooh, okay. Because um, I say this is the best movie I saw in 2016, being last year. Oh, God. Is it going to be The Arrival? Huh? No, it ain't going to be Arrival. I'm sorry. We, we don't agree on that movie either. No, I mean, no, I mean, I liked Arrival. Okay. I mean, I really did. It wasn't that great. But no. It wasn't. Yes, it was. It was not. It was great. good. Arrival was the most boring. All right, no, let's keep to the list. All right. We'll save the movie. I'm probably arguments. not going back and watching Arrival, though. <laughs> That's because it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's the equivalent of sci-fi's We Bought a Zoo. No. Uh, <laughs> you know what? All right, number seven, Hell or High Water. Okay. Love that movie. I can't watch it enough. Okay. Perfect time. I don't think if I, I don't think I saw that. I think you talked to me about it, but I don't think I. Actually you ever saw, saw Hell or High Water? Chris Pine, Ben Foster. No, you told me about it, but I haven't sat down and watched it. Yet. Oh yeah, Chris okay. Pine, Ben Foster, which I'm a secret Ben Foster lover. Yeah, and good uh, of course, probably my one of my favorites, and my one or two, Jeff Bridges. Okay. Um, but there's a scene that takes place between um, Chris Pine, Jeff Bridges. Again, this is an end of the movie speech. Mm-hmm. Major spoilers. Um, essentially, uh, Chris Pine and his brother are robbing banks right. in Texas. Okay. And sort of the whole spiel is um, kind of a play on 08 and the housing market dropping out. That the people of Texas don't mind so much these guys are going around robbing money. I believe it's called Texas Midland Bank. Okay. One guy even says in the movie at a certain point, well, they've been robbing the bank that's been robbing me for 20 years. Right. You know? So it's sort of like that, even though they're robbing banks it's, and pointing guns yeah, at people. It's the old outlaw thing that people yes. love. Yeah, which is, you know, yeah. The, oh, I mean, the, cause the bank it, is the outside force. It's the outlaws that are actually like, they're not necessarily Robin Hoods, but at the same time, they're sticking it to the man. Like the... The, the larger business, yeah. Yeah, and that's what it is. Right. It's, it's, an, it's a neo-Western. Yeah. You know, you'll watch it, and it's got sort of, like, I mean, it is modern day, but it kind of isn't, and, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you you know it's one of those kind of neo-Western sort of movies. Yeah. Um, 
But no, uh, at the end of the movie, essentially, uh, his brother ends up dying okay. at the hands of Jeff Bridges. And uh, they did a little switcheroo where Chris Pine takes off with all the money so he can pay the mortgage on his mom's house. And so they can keep the farm. By the way, that farm has got a ton of oil on it. Okay. So they have to keep the house and they've got a ton of oil. And the whole thing was that Chris Pine's going to give all this money to his kids. And um, Jeff Bridges, uh, during the course of this, Chris Pine's brother ends up killing Jeff Bridges' partner. Okay. So... Chris Pine has a dead brother. Jeff Bridges has a dead partner. And so they never really meet in person, but at the end, Jeff Bridges tracks him down. Now, he had just retired. So he was a uh, Texas Ranger, which I always find cool that you know Texas has Ranger, not just because Chuck Norris. Yeah. Even though it's amazing he could do a roundhouse kick in those jeans. I was going to say a little bit, though. <laughs> but so Jeff Bridges ends up showing up, and Chris Pine knows who he is. Yeah. And they sort of have the whole I'm armed, you're armed, do you want to talk speech. Okay. And so they do it. So Jeff Bridges goes and sits down, cracks open a beer, and they engage in the speech. And essentially the nature of it was um, Chris Pine's trying to explain to him that his family has been poor his whole life. And Jeff Bridges' argument ultimately is, yeah, but you killed a man. And I'm coming after you. And you think that justifies your brother killing these people so you can have this money. Yeah. My partner died. My partner had a family. What do you think of that? Yeah. And Chris Pines kind of justifies it as uh, pretty much being poor as a disease. But he said now his family won't have to live with that disease. Okay. Because they're looking at it, oil rigs in the background, one of these real quiet scenes. And his family shows up um, while they're talking. They want to know who this is and responds like well you better get on your way yeah and so jeff bridges walks out and literally in the epitome of it a man with nothing to lose he's retired his wife's dead he just lives at home with his dog yeah and the only thing on his mind was the case he couldn't solve and the partner that was dead and chris Pine says i'm not gonna say a thing because i'm gonna make sure all my boys get this money right and uh i think they say uh chris Pine tells him where he's living he goes come see me sometime you think it'll give you peace yeah and he goes i might well, maybe I'll give you some peace. Okay. And I, it's yeah. just, it's that whole play. Nice. Good. Uh, but again, it's one of those things I wish I could play the scene. Because that's yeah. one of those, you don't even need to see what's going on. You can just listen you just to just it. listen to it, yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. It sounds, I keep telling you, it sounds amazing, man. Move right along, and I hate the fact that you're going to love this. All right. Blade Runner. Tears in the rain. To be fair... <laughs> I did say that that was the one thing that I really loved for that movie. I know you really <laughs> loved it, but you just hated the rest of the movie. I didn't hate the rest of it. I'll tell you, all right, real quick, we'll just break this down. Break I, it down. I didn't hate the entire movie of Blade Runner. I actually loved a lot of it. I loved the aesthetics of it. I love that speech that we're talking about. Because um, if I'm not mistaken, that was actually... Was that... Did he... I'm pretty sure that was improvised. Yes. Yes. Um, and absolutely wonderful improvis improvisation. It was amazing. Like that speech for all intents and purposes with him sitting in the rain on top, like telling him these stories. It's fucking amazing. However, you have to spend a shitload of time getting there. And some scenes are like really, really good. Like really, really like, I mean, visually pleasing like acted amazingly and then other scenes are just like 
Holy shit, can we get through Okay, this? I know you got, what, up to five different cuts now? Yeah. Of the movie? <laughs> yeah. And I've honestly tried to break it down, because I've only seen three of the five cuts. Yeah. I think I gotta go with the director's cut from 92. Okay, so that, yeah, that was, yeah, because then they did a final cut. In 07? I think so. Yeah. I think, that's, right. I think that's when I bought it, because I bought my copy from, uh. Barnes and Noble when, yeah. they, when they did like a big release. But I, but I like the director's cut. There's mm. subtle changes, but also that movie is just visual candy. Oh, yeah. That's one of those movies you can just put on and push mute Yeah, and you'll enjoy it. It's funny. I think one of the one of the main things that I didn't like about that movie had to be the... Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of the press scenes uh, where she goes to the, the guy, that, the tinker kind oh, of yeah. thing. I just... And it wasn't that uh, it wasn't that I hated that, but I felt like that was a very um, it was almost like an eighties nineties, or it became I guess you could say a nineties trope that you know like did the tinkerers the AI as toys as you know like that kind of thing yeah. and that's fine and I didn't mind it because I thought it was interesting but like part of me was just kind of like okay you know like, <laughs> it's not the best part of this movie. But well, I, think I think the best of part of the movie is at the end. Yeah. I agree with you. But it's just this world. You oh, get yeah, yeah. Up in. I mean, the L.A. is like this, like, sunken, smog embedded place with, you know, like... Chinese. Yeah, with the know. Chinese mix in the streets. Like, you know, he's going out and getting, like, spicy ramen noodles on the side of the road or whatever, you know. Like, that's cool. That looked really yeah. cool. His gun, um, his get-up. Yeah, yeah, the the coat, the is infamous he? duster, you know, that he wore. <laughs> yeah, it was... The movie itself was amazing. Now the uh, end scene, um, yeah, you people be amazed at the things I've seen. Yeah, was it starships on fire on the edge of Jupiter? You know, just yeah. That. And again, I wish I could go back and watch it, but that's a great way to sum up the whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And what's his name? Roy Batty. Roy Batty. It's the Roy Batty it. speech. Yep. And then he dies right after that. Yeah. You know, because he kind of realized, well, I guess he kind of realized, well, it's too late now. Yeah. So. (laughs) But yeah, no, that one was amazing. I don't know what it is about that. I've never been able to quite put my thumb on it. I will will say the other reason I really like that speech, too, I think, is it, like, sums up the entirety of the movie. Like, you know, you have this one, you have this person that's trying to hunt down, you know, like, rogue AI that are trying to get back to the planet that aren't allowed to be there. And, you know, they're he's trying to make sure that they're not able to like send their lives and that kind of stuff. But yeah, that one speech at the end pretty much sums it up by saying like, dude, I've, he's essentially saying like, in my short life, I will live a thousand lives better than you. Like I have seen stuff that you will absolutely never be able to see (laughs) or experience, you know? And that, that was really amazing. It was a really good speech. I can't wait to see the new one. Yeah. Same here, dude. I think it's going to be great. Uh, moving along. I don't really need to explain this, but what are uh, we now? more than five. Number five. Look at that. Halfway Number five. How's our time? We're at thirty-five minutes. We're just. Mm-hmm. I told you, dude. We just keep. We keep it on track. Well, number five. I don't have to explain. Number five what is its got? own movie. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick. Okay. Full Metal Jacket. Okay. The first fifteen minutes. Yeah. And I know that's overplayed, but it just doesn't get better. Yeah. I know his last name's Emmy, the drill sergeant. Arlie Ermy? Arlie Ermy. Yeah. That's it. So maybe yeah. I don't know that. 
yeah, Arlie Army, a real life Marine drill yeah. sergeant, had just retired because I think uh, probably one of the better roles as opposed to saving Silverman, where he was shitting and oh, trying no. to wipe his butt with the, the mail. No, uh, you can't have Coach <laughs> pitching loaves on the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, that, yeah, that movie's pretty amazing too. Yeah, well, that whole opening scene where he, I mean, I think he had just retired, so mm-hmm. the Marine Corps is 20 years. I don't know how old he was. I know he's still alive now doing Glock commercials. They're pretty much online only. Yeah. But, um, no, that whole private pile and the way it's shot going through the barracks, I'm sitting there watching it going, this is not a very good Marine recruiting video. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how much of a girly man I am watching this. But um, I don't need to explain that one too much. No. Everybody's seen it. There's yeah. no way I could do that any justice or even yeah. try to talk about it. Um, just do yourself a favor and go watch it if yeah. you've never seen it. You don't even need to watch Full Metal Jacket. It's not that good of a movie. It really isn't. Yeah. It pretty much ends after, <laughs> well, he gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> which I believe is about 15 or 20 minutes into the movie. <laughs> that movie pretty much is over. Yeah. Also, yeah, fun fact. Like, knocks it out of the park in most of his movies. Fireflies, Adam Baldwin is uh-huh. in that movie. I can believe it. Yep. He was real young. Yeah. Nah, great movie, though. Great movie. All right, number four. Some I would have to explain this to, like Sean. Others I wouldn't, but the Indianapolis speech from Jaws. Okay. Yeah, I think most people would get that one as well. Mm. Yeah. This is one my father was big on. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, how and, can you not be? Like, oh, just, yeah. yeah. Well, he, I mean, he was just a big Spielberg fan anyway, yeah. but he was real big on Jaws, and he yeah. was real big on that scene, and it did not disappoint. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, all right, let's be honest. One of the reasons that made that scene so great was the fact that you have this moment of, it's almost like, jovial happiness like they're all drinking and enjoying themselves and you know singing and stuff like that and then you can just kind of see it as you know like it just slowly starts to get that kind of like look of like yeah you know like i'm gonna end up telling a story and then but also that sense that you know you get a lot like um of you know that military people and they never talk about Something horrible, yeah. Something horrible. Something horrible that happened to you. And yeah. you don't ever ask. Yeah, yeah. But when he said you were on the USS Indianapolis. Yeah. Yep. And you know you were about to hear that story for probably the first time he's ever told it. Yep. yep. You know, men on a boat out there hunting a shark. Yeah. Getting, you know, drunk. And you're. that's probably the only time he's ever going to tell that story. Yeah. And it's all him talking. Yeah. And then when it's over, it leads right into the finale of Jaws. Yeah. But I just I just remember watching it. Did not disappoint. But, you know, and then it helped, too. Like, I mean, the whole the whole set dressing for that was literally the cabin of a small boat. You know, you have this, like, light that's in there. Like, it's just barely. It's not barely lit, but it's lit, like, by this, what is it, like, the one? Yeah. You know, like a hanging lantern or something mm-hmm. over top of it. So, yeah, there's one light that's just kind of, like, swinging a little bit back and forth on a small boat. You couldn't recreate it. Yeah, it was absolutely, like, that, it was, it was amazing, not just for the speech itself, but the atmosphere that was created around that story that eventually just had you completely enthralled during the entire thing. Yeah, I never gave yeah. a shit about the shark after that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. That yeah. movie, when I watched Jaws. Yeah. 
I don't care about what happens at the end. Yeah. I don't care about we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. I mean, I like all that. Yeah. But I just want to watch the Indianapolis speech. Yeah. 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 But the thing is, I got to watch it from the beginning so that when it hits, I'm just going, oh, God, that's great. Yeah. And I'm going to sidebar this. Mm -hmm. Funny story about Steven Spielberg and Jaws. My dad could have drove him around. Oh, yeah? Yeah, for three days. Okay. He was a dad, retired policeman. Okay. And so Steven Spielberg was scouting Richmond for locations to shoot Lincoln. Yeah. And they called dad up and said, hey, do you want to drive Steven Spielberg around for three days? Now, my father, Jaws, you got to watch it. Save it, Private Ryan. He's like, he's always telling me, have I lived a good life? You know, at the yeah. beginning and end of Save It, Private Ryan. Yeah. Love Steven Spielberg. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things I could put my thumb on with him about Steven Spielberg. So they call him up. He is retired. Yeah. Does not have another job. He is just being retired. They call and say, hey, Steven Spielberg's coming into Richmond in a couple weeks. He needs a retired policeman to take him around. Yeah. The scout locations. Do you want to do it? No. I found out about this months later. My mom told me. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I asked dad, I said, why didn't you want to drive Steven Spielberg around for three days and get paid by the way to do it? To do it, yeah. You know, you love his movies, Indianapolis speech. Uh, I just didn't want to be on anybody else's schedule. (laughs) 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 Who says that? Because, I mean... I mean, he's not wrong. It makes sense. No, he's absolutely <laughs> right, I guess, in that aspect. But, and I like to think of myself as not somebody that gets starstruck. But, right. you know, if I was going to drive Spielberg around for three days, I might take a couple vacation days. Yeah. And I think whoever I took him from would understand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> you're driving Steven Spielberg around. Yeah, you're driving... Oh, yes. You know, he's driving... Oh, of course. Steven. Take, yep, me, take got a day you. or two. <laughs> That's my sidebar. <laughs> Every time I watch Indianapolis speech now, I kind of get a little angry too. Yeah. Do you still like, do you go home every now and then just bring the movie with you and just like pop it in? Every no, now and then? but I yeah, do, I do movie. bring it up from time to time <laughs> on just random moments. I'll be over there watching television, the little silence hits and I'll just turn to him and go, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> what? Didn't want to be on a schedule. Oh, well, number three. Rudy, go back to practice. Okay. So, everybody knows the story of Rudy, I hope. Rudy is, uh, pretty much doesn't have a speck of athletic ability. Um, I think it took place during the 70s. His father, his brother, loved Notre Dame football. Right. Lived and died. Yeah, that's pretty much the only reason they work, so they could pay for a television to watch Notre Dame football. Yeah. And Rudy ends up going to a junior college and gets on at the University of Notre Dame and somehow, beyond all odds, makes the practice squad. And he gets beat up for three or four years going against the Notre Dame starters. And finally, when he realizes when it comes down to his last game as a senior, that he also he was not going to get to play in the game. Because it wasn't even that he was he was on the team, but he was on the practice squad. But he never got to dress. Yeah. So he actually never got to run out the tunnel. He never got to stand on the sidelines wearing a Notre Dame uniform. Mm-hmm. Forget the fact that playing. He just wanted to run out the tunnel to just kind of say, to show my family, to show everybody that doubted me right. that I could do it. Right. Um, but his whole thing was he would just give it his all. 
give it his 100%, get beat up. No matter what they need, anything the team needed, he would do it. Yeah. And when he found out he wasn't going to dress, he quit. And there was a janitor that he was working with because he was working as a janitor at, uh, oh, man, oh, my sports buddy's going to kill me, where they play, I forget the name of the stadium Notre Dame plays in now. Yeah. It's in South Bend, Indiana, but I can't think of the name of the stadium. Lost on me. Um, but, yeah, finally, uh, he's, he was working with a janitor in order to pay for his school and you know, his things he would need while he was in school. But the funny thing was they were servicing the stadium that right. he was hoping to play in. And uh, the janitor walks up, and I forget the guy's name. He's a great actor. He's been on a bunch of TV shows, but he essentially walks out and says, what are you doing here? And he goes, I quit. And they go on this whole speech of, you know, what do you mean you quit? Mm-hmm. You ain't got a speck of athletic ability. You're five foot nothing. And yeah. you just hung in with the greatest football program in the country for four years. And you up and quit. Yeah. And uh, I think he says something to the effect, I didn't see the point anymore. He goes, you, uh, it, despite the point, he goes, if you can't understand what you did, nobody in this world owes you a thing. Yeah. You know, you've already done it. And he's going, I just wanted to see a game from the field. And he goes, hell, I've seen too many games in the stadium. And it goes back to a previous conversation where he was going, you told me you never saw a football game here. And he goes, no, I've never seen one from the stands. Yeah. And he realizes the janitor used to be a player. And um, he kind of infers what happened. He yeah. said, well, um, I was a player. And for two years, they didn't start me. And I thought they were doing that because of my color. Because he was a black guy. So I guess in the 70s, he would have been the 50s. I guess he would have been a Notre Dame, roughly. Okay. Um, and he goes, and so I got built up with a lot of anger about that. And I quit. And then he ends up as a janitor yeah. in Notre Dame. So he's pretty much trying to explain to Rudy, go on back. Yeah. And again, it's one of those scenes that's hard to explain, but... Go ahead and watch that one. Yeah. It has always been one of my favorites. Get get, get, a, get a couple man tears going on. Yeah. yeah. Nothing <laughs> I do. Wrong, nothing wrong with that. No, I do. Every time I watch that, something, well, that whole movie will do it to me. Oh, yeah. Now, that's another one my father had to turn me on to. And, and just to think, Rudy took all those lessons and later helped Frodo get a ring to a volcano. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I hated that part. <laughs> Oh, I hate those Also movies. wonderfully parodied by Mr. T and not another teen movie. <laughs> yes. No, those are the stupidest movies. I forget Peter Jackson. All right. Um, you know what? I'm going to switch my top two. Okay. I'm switching them. Switching your top two, man. Number two, mm-hmm. Sicario. Damn, what a fucking movie, man. Yes. Time to meet God. Mm-hmm. Talking yeah. about the... Is it the dinner... Yes, guess yeah. who's coming to dinner. Yeah. That was fucking... That movie right there, it's just wonderful all the way around. <laughs> wonderfully filmed, wonderfully acted. Like, Emily Blunt just... Man. Woo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I don't have a bad thing yeah. to say about that one. That, in fact, I'd yeah. say the most realistic gunfight scene... Nah, I've never been in a gunfight. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people have talked about it, and just the way the gunplay happens. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're on the border in the cars... And that goes down. Yeah. One of the best gunplay scenes. Yeah. Gun works great in that. But, no, the whole... Uh, the whole movie's amazing. 
No, Benicio del Toro yeah. is this weird, mysterious character. Yeah. The whole time, and you have no idea what he's there for. You just think he's a, uh, I don't know, um, just like another team member, but he kind of isn't. He's supposed to be a, he's supposed to be a member from the Mexican. Okay. Police yeah, that force, was. So I'm not mistaken, right? Like a, not a, not a, well, kind of like consulting or assisting with the USA, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, consultant. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. So he's a consultant. So, you know, and he, he looks in well enough shape, but you know, he never kind of leads on that he's right. this, you know, badass. Yeah. And right at the end of the movie, all of a sudden, he kind of goes rogue, um, but all planned out. Yeah. And goes into this drug lord's mansion. Yeah. Takes out the guards, takes out his drivers, starts taking out everybody, I think, for the uh, one cook yeah. or the maid that's staying there in the house yeah. that he just looks at. And so he's going through lighting these people up, and it's not over the top. He's not breaking through windows or getting right. in a stupid fight scene. He is tactically... With absolute precision, yeah. taking all these people out. And he finally gets to the rear of the house, and there's a courtyard, and on the other end of the courtyard is a dinner table. Yep. Where this Mexican drug lord is sitting there <laughs> with his wife and his two sons. Yeah. And he walks right up to him, and they realize he was there. And they do this cool movie thing, kind of like we were in the Hunt in Red October, where mm-hmm. they're speaking Russian. Yeah. And they pan down and when they pan up they're all of a sudden speaking English but to right. kind of let you know that they're really still speaking Russian right yeah they sort of do a play on that where he asks the drug lord do your sons know English yeah. and he says no he goes then fine we're going to speak English yeah and they do this play back and forth where he will choose to speak English or Spanish based upon what he wants everyone to hear versus what he wants him to hear yeah what he wants him to hear yeah and it is absolute genius. Oh, yeah. And the kicker of it is you'll realize in this moment that this drug lord killed his wife and his daughter. Yeah. So now he's there to enact revenge. Yeah. And you know how they always do the whole, you know, because if you kill the right, you, you just think in the real world, you just go ahead and kill him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as opposed to, you know, when the villain tells you his master plan and then you can foil it. Yeah, no monologuing. Yes. Yeah, expertly done in The Incredibles where they, they make a point of that, like no monologuing. Yes. Yeah. Well, in this case, they do monologue it. Mm-hmm. But it's done in such a good way that I wouldn't yeah, even do justice to it. it. Yeah. So, anyway, long story short is he's talking and the guy keeps trying to argue with him, the drug lord, keeps yeah. trying to argue with Benicio Del Toro. And without warning, he shoots his wife and his two sons. Yeah. And the guy's mortified, obviously. He's like, go ahead, finish your dinner. Yeah. You know, because they're all eating dinner. And then he's just looking at him, just goes ahead and shoots him. Mm. No emotion, gets up and walks out. Yeah. One of the baddest scenes I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. That whole movie was just absolutely amazing. Man, dude, the end of that movie... Where he goes to see uh, Emily Blunt, like, what, at her apartment, I believe? Yeah. Yeah, that whole scene, absolutely fucking amazing. Oh, it's great. I mean, yeah. that scene where uh, the guy that plays the Punisher yep. uh, um, yeah. tries to kill her. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that, that movie did a number on me. Mm-hmm. It was about 2, 3 in the morning. I popped that thing on. I was real no, tired. I how heavy it was going to be. Yeah, I did yeah. not see that coming. Mm-hmm. I thought that was going to go a little different. Yeah. 
But uh, great movie, though. Great movie. Yeah. All right, and seeing as I writ, uh, switched him around, and I had to switch him around because this is truly, I think, number one. Number one. Number one. No, nah, this is, I think, the best speech. Okay. It's, it's two people. It's on both sides. Okay. Now, if I tell you this, Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, what am I talking about? I'm talking about Easy Rider. No. no. See, dude, I can't remember this shit. Even though that's a good guess, because that was those two, Easy Rider. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about seeing from Easy Rider. Sorry. No, that wasn't Christopher so, Walken. Yeah, not Christopher Walken. That was uh, Henry Fonda. Yeah. That was Henry Fonda. That was Dennis uh, Hopper and Henry Fonda. All right, who you got? What you got? All right, True Romance. The Eggplant. I see true romance. You didn't see true romance. I think I'm pretty sure I have, dude. But it's been a while. True romance is the. Uh, it's like Quentin Tarantino play. He wrote it. Okay. Tony Scott directed it. Okay. Dude, I that's a that's one I might not have actually seen. Oh I man, I, I know. You want to pause this and, <laughs> and watch, it, watch it? it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, it. Plays a little part in the movie. Okay. But it's not a huge part. Because okay. I can tell you this all day long. When you don't don't go and watch a scene on YouTube until you watch no, the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this really ain't gonna ruin the movie. Right. Um, but essentially, uh, Christopher Walken, mm-hmm. he's a mob boss in Detroit. Dennis Hopper is uh, kind of an old cop. And uh, pretty much the mob boss wants to kill Dennis Hopper's son. The reasons are relevant. But that's all you need to know. Yeah. So he's trying to sweat Dennis Hopper to get information where his son's at. So he shows up, you know, with all these, because they're a Sicilian mafia. Because, mm-hmm. you know, how some, I, guess, I mean, I guess, I don't think you know, but so I guess apparently some Italians really pride themselves on which part of Italy they're from. So these are like, oh, we're yeah, Sicilians. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Dennis Hopper is sitting there. And now they both know going in that no matter what, Dennis Hopper's not making this out alive um but he goes on this whole rant about how explaining why sicilians have darker skin because he knows this guy doesn't want us uh well it's the best way to phrase it essentially he knows he doesn't want his family lineage to be associated with africans okay so he sort of plays this to kind of tick Christopher walking off. He's like, Sicilians, you all, you all know why y'all have dark skin. Because years ago, the Moors conquered Sicily. And the Moors, he explains, are black. Mm-hmm. So that's why, after all these years of them conquering your women, that's why you have tanner skin. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Walken is sitting there, and he's just smiling. He's laughing. Because he knows this is the craziest dude I have ever met in my life. Yeah. Because he's literally sitting here going on because he knows I'm going to kill him no mm-hmm. matter what. And now he's really trying to die. Yeah. And Christopher Walken gets up and he's laughing. He's just giggling. And he goes, yeah, and you're half eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> and now Dennis Hopper's laughing. They're sitting there smoking cigarettes and laughing. And he walks over as calm as he can be and picks up a gun and shoots him like two or three times. Yeah. He says, man, I haven't killed anybody since 1986. <laughs> he puts the gun down yeah, and walks out. But that's the one thing. That yeah. is the best scene I have ever seen in a movie. Okay. Christopher Walken like and Dennis choice. Hopper. Yeah. Too bad you don't have a list. Well, considering we're at 55 minutes for speech time, 
We'd have to do an entirely another episode if I did. I got some picks. I got some. I got some picks that I like. Mm. I mean, yeah, we we talked about it earlier. The and justice for all. I've never even seen the fucking movie, but that speech itself just blows me away. Every time oh, I, I need it. to see it. Yeah. Well, let I mean, me read off the time. ones. Can I read off the ones that didn't make the list? Yeah. Um, the good so fellas. These Europe. are the honorable mentions. Yes, several selection of Stewart's uh, top ten. And honestly, I deleted some other ones, but okay. And, right. and you know what? They're not that good. I mean, they're good. Some of them are good. Some of them are not that good. It's just mm-hmm. something I keep thinking about, and I kept right. typing them up. And but the uh, good fellas, you're a funny guy. Speech with Joe okay. Pesci yeah. and Ray Liotta. And yeah. <laughs> That's a good uh, one. The casino. Uh, uh, the movie Casino with Joe Pesci, yeah, um, where he the, tells the banker the mob ones. The, the one where he tries to tell the banker he wants to get his money back. Yeah, he goes, "I'm gonna come down to the bank in the morning, and you better have my money. Because yeah. if you don't, I'm gonna crack your fucking head open with a baseball bat. Because I'm stupid and I don't know any better." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. One. Uh, yeah, the my cousin Vinny. I love the old little deer speech. Uh, Dark Knight. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one's really good. Yeah, that's just a great story. Yeah, I was gonna say like the the Dark Knight itself just has like a lot of really wonderful moments, and specifically that one. Some people just want to watch the world burn by. If I'm not mistaken, that was the Alfred. Yeah, Michael Caine. Yeah, where he just kind of tells the story about the guy that tangerine, uh, sir. Yeah, yeah, the guy that's just going through like South America or whatever, and they're just like, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. I thought that was a great way to sort of summarize the Joker in about less than a minute. Yeah, which I think we talked about in the last podcast, but definitely one of the best Joker moments as well. Uh, a lot of times in that movie. Because he makes this statement, I believe, did that come before or after the moment where the Joker burns all the money down? Uh, I no, think I think it, it's, I think, I think it's, it's before. before. Yeah, because it's the after effect of having that story and then seeing this guy that just completely doesn't give a shit light yeah. a whole bunch of mob money on fire in a warehouse. Like, you're like, yeah, this guy doesn't give a shit and doesn't want to watch the Well, I love that because in the Nolan verse, he's still trying to figure out who Batman is. Yeah. And he's going, he's he's trying to approach this guy like, you know, what's his motivation? Yeah. And it's Al, just, there is no yeah, And then, yeah. then wisdom yeah. takes over. Yeah. And the whole. So it just doesn't matter to this guy. He's yeah. just going to burn the world. But I, I love when, you know, the elder kind of takes over. He goes, well, why don't you look at it this way? Yeah. And the other two was uh, Clerks Two, the jail scene. Oh yeah, the uh, the getting older scene. Yeah, 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 dude. Yeah, they talk about like how they the two of them have been just working for these two places for their entire lives, and they they haven't really done anything. And yeah, 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 yep. I like that. Yeah, one. I think, yeah I was gonna and say, I think if I do this in about five more years, that's definitely going to be on the list. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're probably going to get hit with another one because if I'm not mistaken, they're doing Clerks Three, right? Yeah. So I'm sure by that one we'll get another like the 40 year old speech or, you know, that kind of speech. Yeah. Well, I, I really wanted to put uh, 37 dicks uh, on here as well from Clerks One. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 37. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I got a family, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that one. Yeah. And then uh, the Rorschach death from Watchmen. Yeah, that one, I was actually, I was surprised that that hadn't come up, or that any of the Watchmen stuff hadn't come up, because I know a lot of people kind of grief that movie a little bit, and it's true, they do, but, dude, that the end of that, I mean, first of all, Rorschach's death, where he's admitting that he can't 
Like, he can't let it go. Yeah. And he won't. Never but, compromise, yeah. even in the face of Armageddon. Yeah. And I love that. Essentially, yeah, it's all the other characters essentially going, like, he got us. Like, we, keep, we can't let this information out without fucking up all the shit that he's done, which is fucking kill a bunch of people, but then also at the same time get unifying peace. Um which, you know, all the other heroes yeah. are like, we can't, we can't fuck with that. And Rorschach being the one of like, I can't believe you're not fucking with this. Yep. Like, but he already knows what's going to happen. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly. what makes it so great. Exactly. But also before that, uh, Ozymandias' whole speech where, you know, everybody's like, well, we have to stop you. And he's like, you can't stop me. I did it 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Like, you know, that, the, the whole, the original comic book or graphic novel Watchmen when they when they did that in the first place and just the the written word and you know inked art on a page absolutely amazing it's a brilliant idea yeah but it's hard like a lot of these i can put on and people will be entertained mm-hmm. that one i didn't think i could put on because there's so much context of why that's good yeah yeah well it's hard to explain to someone like yeah well he got unifying peace by killing a bunch of people and then blowing up a city well, no, I mean, because yeah. even the you yeah. know the true romance scene, yeah, people kind of know who Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. Yeah, are. yeah, yeah. people understand racism, right? Yeah. People understand the mafia. People understand cops. And, yeah, you know, you don't need to explain it because they're really just telling a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not much exposition when it comes to that that scene. You, With you don't Watchmen, have like, you don't have two hours and forty minutes yes. of like yeah. Of yeah. this hard hitting, like yeah, like emotional turmoil that all these people have been going through, and explanations for a lot of this, yeah, yeah. You yeah. could put the Rudy speech on for a football team and be like, "Let's go out there and get them." Yeah, you know, you could throw in a "Remember the Titans" speech if you wanted to. People yeah. are usually going to throw their hands <laughs> up and cheer. You know, that, that got real close to coming on here. Too. Did it? Because yeah. I, I imagine so. When you hit Rudy, I was like, I won't be surprised. Oh, to dude, the Titans are not on there. I had to back <laughs> off because I was going to put Bull Durham or. Remember the Titan. I mean, Every sports movie in the say, world. I was going to say, honestly, a lot of the facts is that sports movies themselves are built to have those moments. Like yeah. Those great speech moments. But dude, We're going to get every right. inch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I could have done a top 20 list with sports movie yeah. speeches. Yeah. I just didn't want to be that guy. But yeah, I could have. <laughs> yeah, I think Watchmen's the only one I got left, so... Uh... That's my list, and great. you know what? If you ask me to do it a month from now, it's going to change a little bit. Yeah, that's the way lists are. Yep. That's the way movies change them. So. I guess this is what the mood I'm in right now. Yeah. Hmm. Well, all right. Well, if we're going to call it, we are at an hour and two minutes, so we've done pretty good. And uh, I will say thank you, because uh, I kind of knew that if we did one list, it was going to be like, the entire time. And I, I really like, I love hearing your list, man. I love talking to you. About oh, yeah. Stuff. Well, next so. time I came up with a good one that you did, wouldn't let me do. Next time I promise to partake in it as well. So what you got? What's the next one? The greatest movie sequels, as in the second movie in the series. That's right. I didn't say we couldn't do that. Well, you said speeches, and I, I was said I was that was just one idea I threw out. Because it's so hard to explain <laughs> speeches. I'm a, I, I'm I can't wait till I go back and listen to it because I'm gonna sound like because I can't nah, explain dude. speeches. I can explain movies. I think you did a good job explaining like what people were saying, the time, and how people felt during. You did very good. Yeah. All right. Well, when you get old stew round two. It's going to be the number two in a movie series. So, okay. for example, mm-hmm. you have Back to the Future, 
Back to the Future Part 2 and Part 3. Right. So, Part 3 is technically a sequel to the movie, but it's got to be the second in order. Mm-hmm. So, you have to either go Part 2. Mm-hmm. You can't go, uh, like, Empire Strikes Back, for example, is a number two in a series of movies. Okay, yeah. But you can't go Return of the Jedi, so it's got to be the second one. Right, I, I get what you're saying. So, yep. you're de- you're Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, Not World's End. Correct. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, no, that's I mean, fine. you can have all the Star yeah. Wars or Lord of the Rings you want, but it's got to be the second in order. Mm-hmm. can't just be any sequel. Mm-hmm. I think that would be very intriguing. Number one, Scream 2. No. no I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's... No. I know my number one. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you, but I have a feeling if it's not your number one, you've probably left it off your list. Okay. And you're going to be really ticked off that you didn't think of it because there's going to be a lot of stuff I've, I've forgotten about that I wish I would have thought of after this is over. Yeah. All right. Well, all right, man. Well, we'll call it. Uh, go ahead and say have a week, everybody. Please like, subscribe, share, share this thing with your friends if you like it. If you're enjoying what we're doing here, share it. We need more shares. We need people listening. But, uh, you know, as always, I appreciate the people that are listening. Love you guys. Thank you for coming back. And uh, we'll be sure to do some more. Mr. Stu. Thanks for uh, having me over and uh, and uh, being part of this. Anytime, my friend. All right, take it easy, guys. <laughs>